Again this morning we turn in our Bibles into the letter of John. We continue in the series that we started 10 weeks ago and we look at the tests of reality in the Christian's life. And we use this letter to see and to test ourselves. Remember the Word of God is like a mirror. You look into the mirror like any one of us in the morning go in and we do our hair, we brush our teeth, we put on our makeup. I don't put on makeup, but some do. But you put on your makeup and you get yourself presentable, presentable to walk out of there and the world goes, wow, that's presentable. But friends, when we come here to the house of the Lord, I want to open up the mirror of God so that we look into the mirror of God. And who do we see in here? Cry it out. Who do we see? We see Jesus. Isn't it wonderful that one day when Jesus was with his disciples, the Greeks came to him and, and the people came to him and they asked the disciples one thing. What did they say? We want to see Jesus. Is that why you come here on a Sunday morning? Hopefully not to see me. There's not much to see. We want to see Jesus. Give us Jesus. That needs to be the message that we carry around. We want to see Jesus. And this is what we see. We come to the Word of God and we look into the mirror. Friends, I don't want to read to you books or I give you anything else but the Word of God. But as we see Jesus, is the mirror reflecting back to us? What do we see? We see our iniquities and our inaccuracies, don't we? Because the Word of God do one thing. It changes us into the image of God. When you stand in that mirror early in the morning and you take the sleep out of your eyes, that's not what you envision to show the world, is it? You then look at that and you say, I'm going to apply a few things to me too. And you see a vision in your mind how you want to see yourself to, to show you to the world. I'm going to wash the sleep out of my face. I'm going to set my hair. I know I haven't got much to set, but I'm going to set my hair ready for the world to see. Now, if you've got like me, you can even polish it if you want to. It gives it a glow off. But, but you see, you envision yourself as you're going to go out of that place and show yourself to the world. The vision that you and I have this morning as we come to the Word of God is to see ourselves through the eyes of Jesus, through the eyes of God. If you do that, my friend, the Word of God teaches us that you will hate the sin that you do like God hates sin. And that's important to know. So we come to this letter, and we're going to read now, and when we follow this through, what John is saying to that people and saying to us. So just to remind you, friends, in John chapter 2, verse 1, why did he write this to us in this chapter? He says, my little children, and he's not talking about babies here, he talks to us all. My dear children. And, and remember when I explained to you the word there for children, it means born again ones. My little children. These things I write to you. What things? All of the things that John wrote in the Gospels and every single thing that he wrote in the letter. So that you what? So that you what? May not, may not sin. May not sin. 
So what does it teach you? It teaches you that if you're going to start read the Word and start filling your mind with the Word of God and fill your heart with the Word of God, it's going to protect you against what? Sin. Sin. This is what the psalmist write all about as well. He says, I fill my heart with the Word so that I do not sin against you, Lord. So if you've got a problem with sin in your life, look, Sin is not a problem. Sin is a sin. But if you have a problem with sin, the only way that you get rid of that sin is not with pills. It's the gospel and it's the word of God. That's the protection against sin. And he says it right there. He says, I write these things to you that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, so if it happened, what happens? Do we look at you there now and say, we're going to banish you out? Does God say, I banish you when you sin? No. No, He gives us good news here. He says, and if anyone sin, I know what we do as people if anyone sin. We all point finger, isn't it? See what you've done. But you know what I find when I point finger? How many fingers points back to you? And that's a biblical principle, isn't it? Because the Bible says, before you look at somebody else, take out the the beaver. The big piece of wood out of your eyes before you look at your brother. Do not condemn one another. Oh, but I see so much condemning going on. So much condemning going on. I sometimes find that people will point a finger to others because that very same problem that they highlight in that person's life is massive in their lives. And the only way of hiding it in their lives is pointing it out in other people's. Go figure that one out. And here he says it there, he says, if anyone sins, what then, John? He says, we have an advocate. Who knows what's an advocate? It's somebody who comes in on your behalf and he pleads your case with the Father. And what is his name? What is his name? His name is Jesus Christ the righteous. It's Jesus Christ. It is the name above all names. It's the most wonderful name that the, that this world has ever heard is the name of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, Emmanuel, God with us, the mighty counselor, the mighty God. His name is Jesus. That's who he is. It's nobody else. It's not a guru's book. It's not Muhammad. It's not Buddha. It's not Hari Chiki 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 Chai Krishna. It is Jesus Christ, the righteous. And this is important this morning because we are going to take the next step now when John is going to write to us and he writes to all of those people who he was the pastor for. He's this beloved apostle. He's going to warn them against people who comes against the name of Jesus. This is what he warns them about. And I want you to sit here this morning, not to switch off at this point and go, yeah, you know, this is a message which is not applicable to me. It is so applicable to you because there's this deception in the world right now under the banner of Christianity. You don't get a lot of word preaching anymore. You get a lot of feel-good preaching. You don't get a lot of word preaching anymore. You get a lot of counsel preaching. Oh, counsel us. You only counsel people who feels bad. But you preach the word for people who are lost in their sin who needs a savior. So his name is what? Come and you cry it out. Jesus. 
I think we can do better. What is his name? Jesus Christ. Come on, we can do it better. What is his name? Jesus Christ. You know, for some people, they can't even shout it out. They'll whisper it out. Some people are so ashamed of that name. Oh, I'm a follower. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. What was that? (laughs) And yet Paul says this. He says, I am not ashamed of what? Of the gospel. Why? Because it is the power of God, the dunamis of God. What is that word dunamis? The word dunamis, my brother and sisters, means it's dynamic. It keeps on going on and on, preaching and, and testifying the word of God. Praise the Lord. Man, I can just keep on preaching about that. But I need to get into what, what John is writing to us, Kylie. So when you go to China, who goes with you to China? Jesus Christ. When Paulson goes to India, who goes with him? Jesus Christ. Listen, when you walk into your workplace, wherever you go, you've got to have Jesus Christ with you, or otherwise you're in trouble. You say, oh no, I'm fine, man. I've got my own means. I'm my own man. Look at me. Look at me. I've made it, man. I'm my own man. I'm telling you, the minute you come to that point of realization in your life, you are lost. Because you're walking on your own strength and powers. And the Bible says, do not lean on your own understanding, but lean on who? On God. I better get over the intro now. Otherwise, we're going to not get this plane taking off. This is the very place of attack against us as children of God, as Christians. This one here, Jesus Christ. Now let's continue now. He writes to them in 1 John chapter 2 verse 18. He says, little children, it is the last hour. Who knows that? People don't want to know this. They don't want to believe this. What are you talking about? It's the last hour, he says. And as you have heard... That the Antichrist is coming. Even now, many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. You see that? They went from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. I love his writing. Isn't it beautiful? I wouldn't have been able to make this up for my life. And he writes this with the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. Now he writes this down. He says, it is the last hour. If you go to the King James, he translates that word hour into it's the last time. And if you, if you read the Bible, you will see there's dispensations of time that's happening. Right from the beginning, there's the dispensation. And we are now living in what is called the dispensation of grace. The dispensation of grace. What is that dispensation of grace? It is the grace of God is still here to save hardened souls. Isn't that so, my brother Glenn? He is still there to save. We say it in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8. For by grace grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourself. We're living in the dispensation of grace. What is the definition of grace? Grace is not getting what we deserved. We deserve death, but we got what? Life. 
or in fact, let me correct myself, it is getting what we did not deserve. We got life. We didn't deserve it. Mercy, on the other hand, is not getting what we deserved. It's just the opposite, but it means the same. So we're living in this dispensation. He says it right there. He says it is the last hour. You look around, you people are looking for signs, and there are plenty of signs around the world that it is the last hour. And it's going to get worse. You look at how the world is falling apart. And as the world is crying out, peace, 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 the Bible says that they will... There will be no peace. You say, wait a minute, but isn't Trump making peace wherever he goes? Yes, it's true. You know, he, he goes, we're going to King Jong-un and we've made peace with King Jong-un and we make peace with this. And now they're even talking about peace in the Middle East and they're talking with peace with Israel. I'm telling you, friend, if you believe the prophecies of the Bible, that peace won't last. It won't last. You say, well, Trump gets it ready. Well, the Lord might be using Trump, but if he's gone, that peace is gone. I'm not holding on to a man. I'm holding on to God. And it is going to happen that that peace will disappear. But it's the last hour according to him for different reasons. Now, this is not the only thing. You see, the last time when he talks about there, the early church believed that they were living in the last days. And this is where people come these days to you and me and they say, what are you talking about? How old is the Bible? I mean, here we find it. There's a great example. John is talking about the last hour. How long is that last hour? He didn't come in John's day. Where's John? He's died. But yet he said it's the last hour. Where is Peter? Where is all of these others? Don't be fooled, friend. We are still living in the last hour. Now, if you want to, you can go back to Daniel chapter 7 and read about the 70 weeks and the last week that needs to come upon Israel. There's so much caught up into this, friends. Now he's saying it's the last hour. It's not a new concept. Peter writes about us. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 20, he says, He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifested in these last times for you. Who is he talking about? Jesus. Did Jesus walk on the earth? Yes. The historians tell us that if you don't believe the Bible. But we believe the Bible. And by faith I believe that he walked here. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 2. He writes a little bit there and then he ends with this. He says, He uh, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son. In verse 1 he says, In times before God spoke to the people through the prophets. But in these last days, in these last times, spoken to us by whom? By His Son, Jesus Christ, whom He has appointed the heir of all things, through whom also He made the worlds. So He spoke to us through Jesus, physically. And then Jesus came to His disciples and He said, I must go. So who's now going to talk to us? Who's now going to talk to us? You see, this is really interesting because you find a lot of people who say, Oh, I've had an audible word from the God speaking to me. says, what was that, Lord? Okay, Eugene, the Lord tells me to tell you. No. These days he speaks to us through his Holy Spirit and what? The Word. Friends, I want to warn you. Watch out for these people who come to try to prophesy and say, I have heard the Lord distinctly if they tell me to tell you. 
A man did it to me once. He came to me once. He gave me a prophecy over my over my life. And the Bible says you will know them by their fruit. So what did I do? I contacted him right after the church service. I said, brother, you said this word over my life. I just want to uh, now, you know, confirm it in the word. And I'm, I'm reading and I'm feeling... And he got cross with me. I go, well, by the fruit you will know them. That's not a binding word. Be careful. Anyway, I just thought I'd throw that in there. In Matthew chapter 24, 44, Jesus writes, He says, Therefore, you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Who's looking forward for the coming of the Son of Man? Do you know that title that He uses there? Is his earthly title reaching out to heaven. So he's in heaven now coming back to receive us unto himself, the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians. Are you looking forward to that day? You see, these people in John's day were living with an expectancy. You say, what then? Why do we have to take note of the last day? Why? Because there's three things, friends. It gives us an urgency to get, or to getting out the gospel message. You've got that urgency, my brother, don't you? My brother Glendier, if you don't know, he goes out and he sings in the street and he preaches. And we need to pray for him. We need to pray that the Lord will give him that courage to keep on doing it. As people walk by, as he, he's telling me, he says, some people run away if they hear that. But other people might come around, they might, you know, swear at him. So, you know, whatever. So, you know, thinking about the coming of man, when I listen to my brother pray, his heart opens up, he says, Lord, not one more sold for the lake of fire, not one more. That is a burden for souls. This is what it is. If you live with an expectancy of Jesus Christ coming back any moment, you will live for the gospel. You would want to preach the gospel message. It also helps us maintain the right attitude towards material things. If you know that Jesus Christ is going to come back soon, how valuable is your material things then? Twiffless. And let me shock you. You look at your material things in your house and you think, man, I, I've got so much valuable things. Somebody else walks through your house and they go, worthless. They haven't got the same value for things that you own that you've got yourself. Isn't it so that you stand in front of the mirror and you behold yourself as this beautiful man and woman and yet, what are we? We are worthless, aren't we? We only gain power through Jesus. And it also, it keeps us pure. If you know that He's going to come tonight at 6 o'clock, would it change your life? Would it? It will make you concentrate on things which is not material. So this is it. He says it is the last hour. Now see what he says now. He says, as you have heard, this is now the reason why he says it's the last hour. As you've heard, the Antichrist is coming. Even now many Antichrists, plural, is coming. The word here for Antichrist, and by the way, John is the only writer who used the word Antichrist. But there's so many different words for this man is going to be revealed. And some people over the ages of times have prophesied. Some said it's going to be Hitler. Well, it was not Hitler because he died, isn't it? Some said it was Idi Amin and some said it's all of these Stalin and all of these. Even some people now I've heard they say Trump is, is the Antichrist. And I go, where did he get that man? You must be crazy. Some people is all over the place. 
But you see, here is the thing. The Antichrist is coming. That is in the future things. Is it right? And he's coming. But he says that many Antichrists have come. What is he talking about? Friends, this, what I'm preaching to you, some people in some churches sit really, they go, oh no, this can't happen. Everybody's nice and, you know, everybody means good and all of these kind of things. This is what he's warning about. You can't believe every single message. You've got to test them to the Word of God. I mean, yes, Eugene, how long have you been hearing me preaching, brother? And every time I said, even my messages, even what I preach from this pulpit, you need to test by the Word of God. Have I preached that over the years, brother? Don't take my word for it. Test it to the Word of God. So he talks about these. Now, Paul also write about them. Listen to this. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 12, he says, But what do I do? I will also continue to do that I may cut off the opportunity from those who desire an opportunity to be regarded just as we are in the things of which they boast. He's very, very, um, uh, what's the right word? Cheeky or what, what's another word for that? Um, sarcastic here. When he writes this, he's talking about other people coming out in the world and saying that they are Christians or, or prophets or, or their apostles. He says, I'm going to continue to do what I do. To cut off the opportunity from those who desire this, to do this. Look at verse 13. He says, for such are false apostles. Who knows that they are false apostles under the banner of Christianity? There are many of them. And nowhere in the Bible it says that we need to proclaim ourselves to be apostles. Nowhere. He didn't say go make apostles. What did he say? Go make disciples. I believe, dear friends, the apostles is in the Old Testament apostles because they were the foundation. There is now need for evangelists and teachers and preachers. And apostles were sent with a message to establish a church. Not for your chain. Oh, now listen, brother John, we're going to send you out as an apostle down there to the peninsula, you know, Mount, uh, Mount Martha. We're going to send you as an apostle to open up a Kingsway church there. Is that an apostle? No. He's an evangelist. But he says, for such are false apostles, deceitful workers, who you see what they do? They transform themselves into apostles of Christ. Who they transform themselves. And no wonder. Why? For Satan himself transformed himself into the angel of light. There's so many churches who operate with these false apostles and people gobble it up like pudding. It's nice. You know, they preach, they, they say nice words. Your life will be alright, mate. Therefore, it is no great thing that his ministers also transform themselves into the ministers of righteousness, whose end will be according to their works. You see, modern Christians want to deal with the fact that there are still false apostles, that, that there's no, a lot of modern Christians don't believe this. If somebody says I'm a Christian, they go, yep, we believe everything you say. I say, let's test what they say, according to the word. But he says there is these people coming. And now he's going to give us three marks. How do we mark these people? Three marks of false teachers. First of all, they depart from the fellowship. Because when he started off writing this letter, he says we have fellowship with one another and we have fellowship with God. 
If we don't have fellowship with God, we can't have fellowship with one another. If we have fellowship with God, we have to have fellowship with one another because this is how we show your love of God towards one another. He says you don't hate your brother, you love your brother now. And and in the gospel he says, Jesus says, by this the world will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. In other words, we fellowship together. But these people break the fellowship. Look at this. In 1 John chapter 2.19, they went out from us. You see that? But they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. In 1 John chapter 3 verse 14 is that point that I said. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. Now let me just say, this does not mean if somebody moves out of our church to another church that they all of a sudden is now false apostles or prophets or teachers. Because I, I, I find it amazing, friends. You go to a church and you decide to go to another church and there you are walking down the street and there's this one person from the other church that you've left and all of a sudden they don't want to talk to you. You go, hey brother, how are you doing? Oh, we don't want to know you. Why? Because you've left us. That's what, that's what, what he means here. That's not what this is all about. What he talks about, they went out from us, is they've left the faith. They came in under the faith, under the teaching. Now, it's very clear that the message will change. The message here is Jesus Christ the righteous. Remember that. Amen. That is our message. We come together, and I want to say like Paul says, I don't want to preach to anyone else but Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Jesus Christ is the center of this church. Every message that I preach needs to come back to Jesus Christ. Now, if somebody preaches any other than Jesus Christ, they have left us. They preach a different message. And this is where you can measure anybody who knocks on your door. If somebody say to you that Jesus Christ was an angel, they've left. They are false. It says it right there. I'm not saying it. I'm only the messenger. Don't shoot me. Just read the word. So the first mark of these people is... They leave the fellowship. Not only the church, but they leave the fellowship and the teaching of the apostles. The second thing is they deny the faith. That's the second sign. In 1 John chapter 2, 22. Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? You see, there you have it. That's why I started today about going on about Jesus is the Christ. On our banner outside, we say, Jesus is Lord. I'll tell you what, there will come a day that people will drive past you and they will ask me to take down the banners. Because it's an offense to the world. It's an offense to, just down the road here, I understand they're going to open the biggest mosque that you can find in this area. That, that's what I've heard. I don't know whether it's true. They will go past here and go, Jesus is not Lord. Jesus is the brother of, 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 of uh, uh, a Muhammad or a prophet like Muhammad. How can you say he's Lord? Those people were never off us. I just want to mention this. But there's others who were off us who now deny Jesus Christ's deity. He is the Antichrist, John writes, who denies the Father and the Son. So this is the difference. 
Our Father has a son. What is his name? Jesus Christ. This is what the world denies. The, the God can't have a son. A lot of these false teachers, they say, no, no, no. God hasn't got a son. And he says it right there. Verse 23. Whoever denies the son does not have the father either. He who acknowledges the son has the father also. Therefore let that abide in you which was heard from the beginning. If what you've heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that He promised us, eternal life. In other words, if you abide in the Father and in the Son, what will you have? Eternal life. Eternal life. So some religions will come and they will tell you that Jesus Christ was the angel Michael. He was only an angel who became a man, but that's not God. Some people say it's the brother of Lucifer. This is what's out there. But friends, we can look at these people and go, yeah, you know what, we can actually pick you out and we don't believe what you say. But then you get a subtle change of the message. And for some mega churches now, Jesus Christ is a product that they sell. They sell Jesus Christ as a product. And that is not acceptable. That is not what this is. You see, they deny that Jesus is the Christ. He's not a product. You don't sell Jesus and say, if you're going to say Jesus three times, he will heal you. He's not a magic wand. He's the Son of God. He's God himself. And this is what he tells the local church there. People who deny that Jesus is the Christ, they deny the faith totally. The key question then is this morning, who is Jesus Christ? If somebody comes to you and they ask you, who is Jesus Christ? What are you going to answer them? You see, this is why we come here together on Sundays to learn these things. Who is he to you? Is he just somebody who helps you out in your troubled time or anything? Or is he the Son of God? You see, their method, they've got a method when they come into churches. It's based on two things, these false teachers. You know, they leave the fellowship, they deny the faith, and then they come to you and, and find now what I'm going to show you now and measure that to a lot of things that you hear in the evangel evangelical world right now. Their method is found in 1 John chapter 2.20. When John writes to the church and to you and me, he says, But you have an anointing from the Holy One. You see that? That is critically important for me. You have an anointing from the Holy One. Who did he say that to? To the church. And who is he saying it today to? Through my voice. To each and every one of you. So who's got the anointing? You've got the anointing. Why would he say that? Have you ever thought yourself? He says, secondly, and you know all things. Two things there. He says, you've got an anointing and you know all things. I've not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it and that no lie is of the truth. So these false teachers uses two things to get people to follow them, to capture people. Two things, knowledge and the unction, the anointing. They will come to you and say, oh man, I've got a special anointing. Can you
Can you play that up in your mind? Have you heard some of these things going on? Oh, the angel visited me and he anointed me. And I've got an anointing that you haven't got. That's why I'm standing where I'm standing and I'm prophesying. I've got the anointing of the prophet. Have you heard that? Friends, I'm just giving you the word of God here, okay? And if it makes them uncomfortable, blessed be the name of the Lord. Bless their hearts. But they need to hear this. And they talk about all of these things that they possess under the anointing. And the second thing, if they say, I've got the anointing, they also say, I've got the knowledge because he gave me revelational knowledge now. And you go to them and you say, where is that in the word of God? They say, oh, no, 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 no. You get this and then you get the revelational knowledge. And you need the anointing, that anointing that I've got. And this knowledge here, I will speak things which is not in the Bible. It's, it's not there. You won't find it there. But hey, I found it from God. God gave it to me. Have you heard that? This is, I hear a lot of them out there. You just turn on Christian TV and you find a lot of them. So, so here is the thing. John is not dumb. He's clever. He comes to these people and he tells them, these false Christs, which is already in the world, they come and they sit amongst you and this is how they operate. They tell you, I've got the anointing and I've got the knowledge. He says, you know what? They will deny the faith and they will go out from you and they want to pull you away from Him, Jesus Christ, to become their followers. This is the crux of it. And now he turns to these people, he says, no, 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 you don't need that. Why? Because you have the anointing. You say, whoa, how, I really don't feel as if I've got the anointing. Where did I get that? I ask you this morning, did you come to the cross of Christ and confess your sin and was saved by the blood of the Lamb? Were you? Then my Bible teaches me that He fills you with the Holy Spirit. You say, oh, but some people teach about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I'm according to the Word of God. If you come to Him and He washes you with the blood of the Lamb, He fills you with the Holy Spirit. And what comes with the Holy Spirit? It comes with every single thing. Man, I can start a teaching right now on the Holy Spirit. He will teach you. He will guide you. You've got the Holy Spirit and it's the anointing from God with you. So you say, what are you saying this morning, preacher? I'm telling you this morning, if you go and sit down as a child of God, saved child of God, and you open up the Scriptures and you say, Father, through the Holy Spirit, guide me and lead me, He will open up the Scriptures for you. You don't need me to open it up to you. He will open it up to you. And you know what you do to stay, stay, to stay, I'm talking too fast now, to stay safe, is then you go to brothers and sisters who's been in the Word and solid in the Word of God, and you fellowship with them. That's how God made it. But now you find people who write books and they go, oh, where did you get this inspiration? Oh, there I was and three angels visited me and they gave me a special anointing and then I wrote the book and now I've got this book. And when you start measuring it against the Word of God, it, it comes short. You see why he writes to them this? He says, you've got the anointing. But then he also says to them, you know all things. Now my question to you is, do you? Do you? We can't know all things, I know that. But it's your responsibility to open up the Word of God and to listen to good expository teaching about the Word of God so that you know. And it says the Holy Spirit will do that. He says that in John chapter 16. He says there's three things the Holy Spirit will do. He will 
So he will give you an account of Jesus Christ and teach you all things, convict you of sin and righteousness. I hurry on to the last one. Well, first of all, 1 Corinthians 2 9. See how Paul writes it. He said, But as, as it is written, eye has not seen, nor ear has heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Do you love the Lord? Yes. Have you given your heart to the Lord? Or have the, let me correct that. Have the Lord saved you from your sin? Yes, He did. Now, the things which God prepared for you then, we're sitting here this morning, what? But God has revealed them to us through what? Through this Antichrist, this instead of Christ to come to you and say, Hey, I've got the anointing and I've got the knowledge. No, no. He did it through the Spirit of God. That's how He do it. There's the scripture verse to prove it. For the Spirit searches all things. He is the deep things of God. Who wants to know the deep things of God? Yeah, I want to. Where do you find that? In your word. And through the Holy Spirit who opens it up to us. The final thing this morning, they deceive the faithful. They deceive the faithful. So first of all, you will see the Antichrist. They leave the fellowship. They will deny the faith. They preach a different Christ. It's not Jesus Christ. They use the name Christ, but it's not Him. And friends, I can give you a lot of names, and some of those names that I'm, I, I can give you will make some of you mad, maybe. So I will refrain from using it. I want you to walk out you're mad, but you can come and ask me. But there's a lot of people who preach the gospel. I listen to their messages, and they don't preach Jesus. Anybody who tells you from a pulpit that Jesus Christ didn't pay for our sins on the cross, but he had to go down to hell and be tormented by demons, that's a lie out of the pit of hell. And yet there are so many famous preachers who people hang on in Christian circles, and they say these people are men of God, and I say no. According to the word of God, they are not preaching the faith, the true faith. So how do they deceive the faithful? You want John 2.26. These things I've written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. See that? That's all they try to do. But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. You see, there he says it again. And you do not need that anyone teach you. He repeats himself. He says, do not be deceived by these people. They try to deceive you, but you've got the anointing. Trust on the Holy Spirit. And then he says that you do not need anyone to teach you, but as the, let, let me see that, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie and just as, as it has taught you, you will abide in him. Heavy preaching this morning, isn't it? But we need to hear this. I always use this, and I've used it so, so many times over the years. I say, people look at people who sell life insurance, and they go, we don't trust those people, do we? I've got a few friends who sell them. I like them as friends. Why don't you trust them? Because they're going to come in front of you and put down a piece of paper and say, if anything happens to you, if you die, we're going to pay out. And you're sitting there and you go, yeah, right, who's going to keep you to that? I'm, I'm not here. But only if you sign on this piece of paper down there. If anything happens to you, we make the promise that we'll, pay, we'll do this. And what are you doing? Every month you pay money. You pay money for a what? For a promise. And you know what? People will look at that and go, I don't trust this. I'm going to read this through again. Is it right? And then they ask somebody else to give him advice on that. Why? Because 
you know, I'm going to sign here and I'm going to pay, 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 pay. And when I'm not here, I'm going to have faith that they're going to pay my loved one's money. I don't know. Maybe I've got to get a second opinion about this. And people do that. Yet, when some people come and they bring their family under the preaching of the word, they don't taste it like they taste these people. Be careful for that. John chapter 8 verse 44. Jesus talks about this. These deceivers. He himself. So if you want to get mad at me and you want to get mad at John, not this John, the John who wrote this, and if you want to get mad at Paul, also get mad at Jesus then, because he wrote about this first. He says, oh well, he, John wrote about what he said. He said in John 8.44, You are of your father the devil. Wow. Have you ever said that to somebody? You know what I want to say sometimes? I want to point my finger into the camera and, and it goes onto YouTube and some of these people who preach anybody else than Christ. I want to point to the camera and say to them, you are of your father the devil. You go, whoa, these people, they are preaching in bigger churches. They go way more people than you, John. And I say, yes, the Bible says narrow is the way, yeah? So we go there? <laughs> but listen to him. He says, you are of your father the devil and the desires of your father you want to do. What is the desire of the devil? He wants to be God. That's his one and only sole purpose. He wants to be God. Go back into Isaiah. He says, "You within you were found what iniquity? Why? Because you wanted to set yourself up above God." And these people's message is the same: small messiahs. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources. For he is a liar and the father of it. Dresses himself sometimes as the angel of light. As the angel of light. So you know, as we go through the Bible, we, we have to talk about these things. And that's what I love about preaching verse by verse. Can you just call um, your mum there at the back? I'm finished. We're going to pray in a few minutes. So this is, this, you know, I'm preaching verse by verse through it. And some people don't like preaching about this. They don't want to hear about that, that one person I love so much. But if the message is not from God, if it's not the message, and he's in error, somebody needs to tell him or somebody needs to know that. Now, friends, I'm not standing here and say, oh, look at us, we are the only ones who preach the word of God in spirit and truth. No, there are many others. But as we continue, John says this morning to us, out of his, all I did is I read his letter, he says, watch out. Be on the watch out. Because there are many false Christs in the world already. And why? They are the forerunner of the, the Antichrist. The Antichrist. And look, I could have spent lots more time this morning. But I know some of you has got cooking in the oven. And I don't want to burn that, but... If you go to the book of Daniel and you look around, the man of perdition is coming. He's coming. I believe where I'm standing in front of you, every single prophecy in this Bible, I believe them. Not only do I believe it, I believe it's going to come to fulfillment. That means that this Antichrist is coming. That means that these Antichrists is already here and are spreading the false gospel. 
Your and my task is to listen to what Paul says and be watchful. Listen to the message. If it just sounds off, test it. Friends, I ask you this morning as I'm preaching it every Sunday. If I preach it and it sounds off, test it. Test it to the word. And if you come to me honestly, if you come to me and say, Brother John, you know, you preach that and, and I read this here. Friend, I'm going to sit with you and we're going to work through this. I don't want to go off the rails. And so you shouldn't as well. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning for your word. I thank you, Father, that every Sunday, Lord, you speak to us. This morning was a word of warning from John.